Seasonal Bounty listeners, it's the host of Seasonal Bounty, Cameron Davies here, and it's a Tuesday, which means only one thing. This is a bonus episode. Where does your food come from, as in where is it native to? Which is quite surprisingly diverse and unknown by most people. So let's start off with a really, really common food. And we'll move on from there. So let's start off with potatoes. Potatoes are originally from South America, or more specifically the Andes, which is the very mountainous part of South America. They grow in elevated cold climates because that would mean they could grow in Europe. Unlike some of their other early discoveries like um, tea and um, um, peppercorns, etc. So... Are very happy to have potatoes to bring back and they have kind of high starch content so that it gives the workers good energy so you could get your little peasants out there working hard for you which is what they wanted now another thing that was brought back from the new world as america was called when they first got there a bit over 600 years ago was the tomato now when it first came back to europe it was called the devil's fruit. <laughs> okay, so while yes, it is a fruit, just because it's red doesn't mean it's from the devil. And the Pope encouraged people not to eat it. And look, if it had had his way, even just around the Vatican, which would be Italy, or and or another Catholic country like Spain, my goodness, neither of those countries would have national dishes because so much, so many of their dishes, whether they be sauces or soups or um, salads, are tomato-based. So luckily that didn't happen. They came back to Europe with the tomato and it was um, picked up and run with pretty much straight away. Getting a bit more spicy, um, let's look at chilies. Now, chilies are also from South America. In fact, two countries in South America, the northern part of South America, and that is um, Peru and Bolivia. Now, we just beat Peru in the soccer, yes, that's right. But I have an amigo Peruno, Paul, who told me a bit about the national chili of Peru, which is called the Anjo Amarillo, or the yellow chili. And this is what liked mostly for its flavor, more so than its spiciness, which is kind of an interesting concept, which I asked a lot of people. What does chili taste like if it's not spicy? But I did, went on a bit of a journey to find that out and that will I need to come through with in another bonus episode in a short period of time to give you the idea because it is a journey worth taking and um, can make some interesting voyages in the kitchen for you. Um, so that's a chili that was brought over and the good thing about this versus peppercorns which could only be grown in tropical climates 
but chili could be grown in temperate climates of Europe, so that was seen as a good thing. And also it was very popular throughout Asia as well. The other South American food to talk about is the cacao nut. Now, the cacao nut is where they get cocoa butter from. And once you have cocoa butter, you then add pretty much equal parts white sugar and milk solids, and you have chocolate. Now, this comes from the Amazon rainforest in Brazil. And Brazil is an equatorial country, so the cacao nut will only grow in the 13 countries around the world that are pretty much on or right near the equator. So there's about four, or five, four to six of those in South America, another four, five or so in Africa, and the remaining three are throughout Asia, the Asia-Pacific area. But by far the biggest grower of cacao nuts is Cote d'Ivory in Africa, which grows over 2.2 million tons of cacao nut a year, which just to me is just a jaw-dropping amount. That was just huge, just shows the global demand for chocolate. There's no time to, to be satisfied, does it? From Asia, there are some interesting other interesting things to come from Asia, specifically from India. No one would be surprised to hear that ginger comes from India because it is such an important part of Indian cuisine. But also, they're a little bit surprised when you tell them that garlic comes from there as well. But, and they said, but Asians don't eat garlic. Well, I'll tell you what, go and speak to a Chinese person about how important garlic is to their cuisine. And you'll see it's almost as important as another important one, chili. So it is vitally important in some Asian cuisines. Okay, another valued fruit that comes from Asia, or specifically India again, is the mango. And this would explain why Indians don't just have a love for mango, it is far more than just love. They are lucky enough to have four or five common varieties that come out at slightly different times of the year. So they have a whole season where they have a avalanche of mangoes and the entire country goes mango crazy. Okay, now the other one that comes from India and Asia as well is a fruit that is called the orange. Or, when people often ask the question which came first, orange the colour or orange the fruit? Well the answer is the, the colour was around earlier but it wasn't called orange until the fruit came around and it came with a name as well. So it came with the Sanskrit name for the fruit, which is, was Naharanga, which was anglicised into the English orange, which is easier for us fat-mouthed English speakers to pronounce. Oh, now, we said cacao nut is grown massively in Africa, but there, is, there also is a uniquely African product, which is extremely important, and I'd say it's extremely important to us Melbournians as well, is the coffee bean. The coffee bean specifically comes from Ethiopia. And if you want to be entertained, just look up the story about the goat herder who discovered coffee. And you'll hear the very cute folk tale. But it's definitely a folk story. It's not at all factual, but it is an interesting abbreviation of the process of how coffee came to be discovered. And then it moved up from Ethiopia through to the Middle East. And from the Middle East, you turn, you turn west and you pretty much end up in Europe. So that's how it got to be in Italy. 
now let's come back as close to home as possible and say, let's look at some important Australian ones. The first one I would like to mention is Australia's biggest native food export item by dollar value is a nut. And I've only met three people yet who actually know what this is. And mostly because they come from Queensland. And the reason that that nut is the macadamia nut. Yes, the macadamia nut is native to Queensland, specifically the Daintree rainforest. So it, like cacao, is a rainforest food. So it makes you wonder what we've missed by cutting forests. Okay, now I wanted to have a look at um, moving on from um, the, the plants to some of the animal ones. And let's have a look at uh, fish because that's always a... Uh, Something I look at every episode of the market report I do. And I haven't spoken about it for a little while, but I always do know that this is by far the cheapest farm fish available. Because it's always less than 15 bucks a kilo. And that is rainbow trout. And so with such a good price, and look, I grew up in Ballarat. So any of my friends that went fishing anywhere locally around Victoria, whether it was a lake, a river, or even some fam dams, there was always rainbow trout. So that, with the, the low price, I thought, well, that must be a native fish. Surely it's bloody everywhere. But no, guess what? It was introduced by the English. And like all English things, they have some really strange reason for it. And their weird reason for introducing rainbow trout was because despite the fact they were, they were on the opposite side of the globe, they, they wanted to feel like they were at home. Like, duh. So they brought over rainbow trout so they could fly fish because the local Australian fish you could not fly fish with. Now let's look at the Australian fish that we should be so proud of because it is an absolute magnificent little fella. And that is also a Queensland native like um, the macadamia and that is the barramundi. Now I heard an Aboriginal man talking about his, his tribal stories and calling them the alchemy of salt which is something the, 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 um, the barramundi goes through because it spends parts of its life in salt water and significant parts in fresh water. And also has, it's worth having a look at its life cycle because you get some idea of why it's so expensive, whether it's farmed or caught, free, caught wild. Now, while you can get Australian farm barramundi, you can buy cheaper Asian farm barramundi, but don't because they cut corners and use antibiotics and other things which are not good for you or the fish. So you're best just to get the Australian one because you know it's been done properly and to the highest standards because we are held to high standards here. The last thing I wanted to have a quick touch on was some of the strange ingredients to sauces. So, so okay, ingredients go always. You, the order of ingredients is, the first ingredient listed is the largest by, by weight and then it goes down to the lowest by weight. So. If you look at some different sauces, you'd be surprised at what some of the ingredients are. For example, the classic one for me is barbecue sauce. The most common, the most primary ingredient in all barbecue sauce, check this next time you have a barbecue sauce bottle on your hand, is apples. Yeah, it's a sweet smoky sauce. Or as I kind of like to think, it's like the English knockoff of hoisin sauce, which is a sweet smoky Asian sauce. Um, and then we look at something like the Worcestershire sauce, 
which really only has one flavouring ingredient, or maybe two if you want to count salt. And its only flavouring ingredient is anchovies. So Worcestershire sauce is like the English knockoff of the popular Asian fish sauce, but it's not really anything close to a fish sauce, not even, not even 100 kilometres of one. Uh, and then mustard is interesting. So is mustard made spicy with chilli? Good Lord, no. You wouldn't want to get chilli near an Englishman. They, I think they turn red or explode or something happens to them. They, they dislike chilli a lot. No, it is like wasabi is made with horseradish. So is that a knockoff? I couldn't find anything that said it was, but it really makes you wonder where they got their idea from. Because that is why England is such a great empire, is because they're able to steal everything more than they'll invent anything at all. So I appreciate your time, thank you for that, and uh, look forward to chatting to you on Saturday to give you an, a food marketplace report. Tune in, that's what you got to do, to the world. Bounty of the season, get it into you.